Okay, guys, so welcome to the Rubonus podcast. I'm the host, Donatos Rubonas. I'm joined by Ritis Vishnauskas, Augusto Šulauskas. And guys, we're living in a crazy world with Serbia and Germany advancing to the FIBA World Cup 2023 finals. Not many see that coming. Not many see and and the opst MVP chance coming into the fourth quarter in a game against the United States. Uh, a lot of crazy things that we are going to discuss in this podcast. Uh, for sure, uh, we will give our final predictions and the MVP predictions as well. But what would be your just first thoughts, first reactions about both semifinal games that that we had? I actually came uh, just came from the uh, FIBA talk show events where it was. Carmelo Anthony, Paul Gasol, Luis Cola, and they were, um, I mean, I mean, stunned as well by the whole outcome, by the game, especially that Germany beat the United States in their, let's say, in their own style, the way United States play. There, there was this narrative or the idea of trying to beat USA, trying to, you know, uh, slow the pace of the game, you know, to, to break all these fast break situations uh, and, and, and stuff like that. But Germans just outscored the uh, United States. So just in general, what do you feel? I mean, if they had listened to a um, bonus podcast, then they knew it was not a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Just, just like first few thoughts, um, Americans just couldn't use the uh, FIBA rules to their advantage. And the fact that there's no defensive free second rule should help them be better defensively in rim protection and all that stuff. And, and they didn't pay too much attention to detail. They were punished by really simple things. Uh, of course, they have talent to outscore anybody. They, they scored 111 points. It's not like they, they had problems creating shots except for one uh, sequence in the third quarter when they made a couple of turnovers and that's actually well where germany managed to, to build their eight or ten point lead and 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 you know the, the the feeling is that americans still didn't treat this competition seriously enough with their approach uh with their uh lack of attention to details lack of scouting lack of game plan and, and, and we talked about this roster before the, the World Cup, that it's, it's kind of a good, it seems like a good fit to, to FIBA rules. Uh, but in the end, they were heavily punished with all the mismatches. And I wouldn't completely agree that Germany beat USA with their style. Uh, yes, it's a high scoring game and a lot of fast breaks and, and, and all that stuff. But when you're looking for mismatches by posting up players like... Um, uh, Foytman or Timan, it's not necessarily American style of basketball. You don't really see Timan pl- uh, or, or, or Foytman playing that much in the low post in Euroleague because they rarely have any mismatches. And Foytman is, isn't even that good with his back to the basket. So Americans were heavily punished basically for their approach and for the fact that in, in the United States now, basketball is all about five guys that can switch on defense and, and, and the true center is basically non-existent. It, it, it's, it's, it's a discussion to a point where people are even throwing names and saying that they needed Kevon Looney to win the World Cup or, or, or a player like similar to him, not a superstar. I, I read a tweet from Kevin O'Connor saying that they needed to play Walker Kessler more and Jaron Jackson Jr. at four because that's where he's best in Memphis Grizzlies playing next to Steven Adams. So, you know, it's strange to, 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 to think about it, that America didn't lack uh, 
stars, they, they lacked role players, good, solid role players uh, to actually win the World Cup. Although in the end, they lost a really quality team uh, and elite team, one of the best European teams right now. This, this uh, Germany team has been together uh, for almost three years uh, with, with more or less the same core of players, constantly adding some guys. And, 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 and this is a great team built from solid NBA players with a lot of talent, good EuroLeague players like like Andy Ops, who's a three-point specialist. His off-ball movement is, is crazy. He was giving nightmares to Team USA. So, uh, yeah, all these things added together, you have this result. And Grant Hill maybe should, should have a look at this uh, to create some sort of a strategy and continuity because it, it, it's not really normal when in 2019 you send a group of young guys and they end up in seventh place. place. They get get you to the Olympics, but in the end, it was not a good uh, performance, seventh place for Team USA. Four years later, you send a completely new group of young guys, and there's absolutely no continuity in this. And it, Steve Kerr is right. It's not 1992 anymore. You cannot just throw random roster every single time and expect to beat solid teams like Germany, Serbia, France, Australia, etc. So, yeah, these are my first few takes. I just thought that... Uh talking about team usa i think they expected much more from jaron jackson jr that did not work out at all you know uh his ability in the drop to pr pr to protect the rim was i would say not that impactful at all as uh grand hill steve kerr expected and uh the switching defense as well i mean uh, after jaron jackson gets in foul trouble or he gets you know there are no defensive rotations on his drop defense if they play if Germany played an empty corner pick and roll. You then throw Banquero in the game to switch, uh, you know, through all five positions. But Andy Ops is beating the guy off the dribble. Uh, I didn't, th I didn't, th I didn't think Banquero was as good playing that switch defense, and it was just too easy for the guys to to for Euroleague guys to beat NBA play, front court players uh, from the perimeter and as you said it wasn't actually NBA style win for Germany the only the only thing that's similar is how much points they scored um, because Johannes Thiemann it was it was a point of emphasis I think for Germany to punish those switches uh, through inside and they they even admitted after the game we took a page out of Lithuania book you know, we we were trying to pick the smaller defenders and to pick uh, after switches. You know, to to go inside because that you, they saw that created a lot of problems for uh, for USA in the, in that loss against Lithuania. And the other thing was just um, you know Andy Ops and his off ball movement. Uh, I was I was expecting this, and we saw that right from the beginning. Um, I don't know how, but they scored of the same play for three or four times in the second half and it's not like they were running this with five minutes apart they they ran that action you know one after the other and Halliburton uh was put on Andy Obst he is following he is late and then and then they don't communicate they don't have a rule they don't have any rules on what to do when he's curling off that pin down and handoff I was I was shocked that such a simple action, you know, this is this is probably the first or second thing. This is probably the 
one of the things you talk you know in the in the first week of practice is when you are in the new team what are we doing if there is a pin down and the guy curls you usually switch and the guy was curling for three times third time he he shot and uh, she, he he caught the ball and shot a three pointer immediately so i was surprised but at the same time not because like i said i was expecting problems here and the other thing was obviously offensive rebounds um I think uh, it was another game where USA got outscored in second chance points. Yes, to be correct, it's 25 to 8. And already in the first possession, guess what Guess what happens? Anthony Edwards sleeps on the weak side. Um, I don't remember who, but runs uh, from the three-point line inside, grabs the rebound. It's a longer possession, but Andy Opst opens his the scoring account with a three-pointer. And we saw guys flying in from the three-point line with no box out and you have to adapt playing to FIBA rules I mean it's the what seventh eighth game they played in the tournament and you think you are thinking like coaches are definitely making an, an emphasis here when looking at the game and USA just not didn't improve throughout the tournament and the same problems that we said are going to be problems before just we saw all of them in the semifinal again could, could it be the thing, could it be the problem of implementing the bad habits? Because uh, we just basically spoke about it with Ritis uh, straight after the game, that why they start playing a little bit some defense when, you know, they're already down and the game is slipping away. That's what they maybe did against uh, Germany in the end. I mean, uh, all of these guys, they're not playing for, at least most of these guys, they're not playing for teams that played for titles last year uh we know that the regulars in the regular season the mm, importance of one possession is way different than europe and maybe it's just to, it's so hard to switch you know from from having bad habits to FIBA competition where in a knockout stage every game matters and you face more disciplined teams and where the, le the level of talent is not as big as it was before with Team USA and other teams. And those small things, they really matter. So could it be the thing of just, you know, uh, bring bad habits uh, to the competition where they're being punished for, for these bad habits? I think both of you made some good points. And I agree with you, first of all, uh, Donatas, about these bad habits that you bring from the NBA regular season because you sort of uh, play the same way. Like you have a 48-minute game, they have a 10-0 run. We will respond by having our 10-0 run. In the end, we will start playing defense for the last five or six minutes. And, and, and the more talented team usually ends up winning the game. And even if you lose, the loss doesn't really matter as much. So when you don't have the experience of playing these knockout competitions where one single game might eliminate you, it, it, it's probably hard for them to have this uh, mental switch so quickly. Uh, from from their world to this world, where the reality is is completely different, and a very good point that Ogis actually made, and I wanted to say that uh, Germany just killed them with the basics of basketball. Like, how can you be punished by a simple pin down for free possessions in a row, or or just a simple handoff where Daniel Thais hands the ball to uh, Andy Ops, and then free American defenders are basically 
uh, blocked by by ties setting a simple screen i mean these are s simple things and even their switch defense i would i would defense i would call that lazy switching because for switch defense to be effective you need to switch as quickly as possible to be as close as possible to, to the guy you're now taking over and the guy that is going to depend going, uh, with the bigger bigger guy timon or Foytman, whatever also has to be aggressive only josh hart probably showed some effort to let's say deny those passes to to front uh timon or Foytman. I, I i only saw these things from him and maybe a little bit from Mikael bridges that's a good point. all the other guys start to get that's they, they start to get serious only in the fourth quarter it's like so yeah i they don't do, you continue, I, I just want i just wanted to add to your point like they they don't do the work before the big guys get the ball inside it's usually against the switch in europe you see guys trying to front people you see guys trying to push you as to catch the ball as far as possible from the basket here they are trying to do that but you know it's it's like more imitation of it and then if you receive the ball you know on the on the paint area like on the line of painted area it's much easier for those guys to score if and if no double come comes then 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 it's you know it becomes extremely hard so uh that's that's yeah. that's really a great point you made here uh yeah so after that probably we will take some more time to appreciate germany but now finishing my my thoughts wrapping up about team usa and their issues and why they cannot win the world cup for for the second time in a row although they're at least fighting for the for a medal this year uh is the fact that they're in a too comfortable position it's too easy for them to qualify to the olympics from fiba americas because they just need to get to the quarterfinal and they are one of the two best teams already and and we know that for the united states uh, uh there's nothing more important than winning the Olympic gold. The World Cup doesn't really seem to matter that much. So they can't afford to send their Team C, Team D or whatever, just build these random rosters from some young players and be in the position to qualify for the Olympics. And then when the Olympics come, the, they pull out the big guns, right? And, and, and they win the gold medal. There's Kevin Durant, there's, there might be Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, and many others. So they're in a in a comfort zone let's say uh they can't afford to lose they can't afford to finish seventh fifth eighth third whatever and still play in the olympic games if they faced uh let's say more serious competition from fiba americas or this qualification to the olympics had a different system maybe grand hill and all these other guys would have to put more effort uh to uh, actually uh getting all these best players to play in, in in the FIBA World Cup because like in 2019 they finished se 7th Argentina finished 2nd these two teams got to the Olympics this time there's only Canada and the United States so yeah yeah the the thing about bringing back NBA superstars is, is tough because actually that's uh, the same basically a very similar question to what uh, uh, was asked uh, to Carmelo Anthony and from his answer I really understood that this whole thing of losing two consecutive World Cups 
is not going to change the Americans' approach on other competitions uh, than the, the Olympics. And it's very hard to believe that the best players are uh, going to return because they have their own reasons. They have those huge contracts that also puts them in some, let's say, as you mentioned, comf comfort position where you start, you know, weighing in. Should I, you know, spend summer uh, and risk uh, my body, my health in the national team competition or I should stick to development and getting this crazy contract. So from the answer that Carmelo, uh, uh, fr from what Carmelo said, I don't expect NBA superstars returning as it happened basically with the Redeem team. But there was one uh, good question actually about our Beyond Plus member. Uh, it was just in the WhatsApp chat for a general discussion. I think it was Mark. Uh, and he, he asked how many of these 12 USA players would you say are locks to be on the roster for the Paris Olympics? And it was funny that Kyle Weems, former Virtus Bologna uh, forward, also brought up uh, this question. And he tweeted that uh, only player of this USA team I'm putting on the Olympic team is Ant, possibly Mikhail uh, Bridges. Bridges. And, and other than that, I feel like... Uh, all of them are gone. I would say that maybe Halliburton as well. With the with the front yeah. line they have, I mean, it's it's hard to leave Jaron Jackson uh, out of the team. I, I I mean, he he dealt with huge uh, issues adjusting to FIBA game foul trouble. He was not as efficient defender as we all expected, but with some experience and with some other personnel around him, he should be better, uh, way better uh on on united states uh roster. i think uh but we're talking about like maximum three or four guys i think yeah maximum three guys and one other thing i wanted to mention is i think usa were really high on brunson as well but we saw yesterday that he was trying to do a little bit too much on his own it felt like he thinks this is the new york knicks where he has to be the main guy and you know, sometimes trying to force the issue a little bit too much, I would say, turning uh, that that resulted in turning the ball over, and that got Germany running in the transition, and that Germany all got running in the transition in to, to start the third quarter when they made that that big run um, to start. So uh, that Halliburton was subbed in with seven and a half minutes in the third quarter, like Brunson played, I think two and a half minutes, and he was subbed out says a lot uh, about about his performance yesterday i thought more was expecting for, from him they they probably saw him as one of the probably the the main guy with ant in this team so brandon ingram brandon I mean, ingram he, well. he was completely miserable in this competition he so. didn't play yesterday a because he was out a, a lot of unexpected underperformance in this world cup on team usa roster it's hard i would say for, for some of these players like ingram Maybe they just didn't find a place for him, uh, a role where he could feel happy and, and, and play. And, and that also raises uh, an interesting point of discussion. Maybe you have too many star players on your team. Maybe it would be enough to have like only two dominant players like Anthony Edwards and Tyrese Halliburton next to him. And you build a roster around them with hardworking role players like Josh Hart and maybe the fact I've mentioned Kevon Looney in the beginning is not a joke. Maybe you need guys like these around superstars who could just grab a rebound and set a screen. And now you have a bunch of players that actually they want the ball 
even Paolo Banquero wants the ball in his hands and wants to create and do something and score. And, and he's still a rookie. And, and for me, it's kind of hard to judge these rookies or, 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 or players who only played two seasons in the NBA with no playoff experience because I remember that in Athens 2004, LeBron James, the next big thing in basketball, the number one draft pick, he was there. He couldn't perform. He, Dwayne Wade was there. He couldn't perform. So they're, they're still young. They need to grow. But we're not sure if we're going to see anything like that in, in the future. Like I'm talking about this current, current roster of Team USA. We're not sure if we're going to see Austin Reeves and Paolo Banquero playing for uh, USA in the future. But Austin Reeves could have chosen Germany. Paolo Banquero could have chosen Italy. Uh, and they would definitely help those teams. So I don't know. Yeah. I have Andy Opst. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need Austin Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Andy Opst, man. Hey, hey, let's, right. let's not forget that <laughs> in our second podcast, maybe during the World Cup, I said that I still have this feeling that there's going to be this Reggie Miller-esque Andy Opst game. This one game when where he turns into Reggie Miller, uh, similarly to last year's Eurobasket quarterfinal versus, versus Germany. And that game happened to such an extent that Team USA didn't know what to do with him. And I didn't really notice that, but August, you probably you probably mentioned it, that they actually even tried box and one with Andy Ops for a short sequence, which was not really successful. It was the first possession of the third quarter, and uh, I was surprised. I was... Uh... I was I was watching a, a Lithuanian broadcast with Ritis and uh, and I was watching the FIBA broadcast as well with uh, with a Mike, Mike Taylor. Taylor on it and he's he's do, I'm doing an amazing job and he was trying to understand there and Ritis and the coach were both trying to understand at the same time well what what is this defense they're playing and for the first possession, I thought it was a box and one because they had Obst defended in the corner with the ball almost at half court, like staying so close to him. And that's why Daniel Tice got that mid-range jumper wide open to start the third quarter. And then it, it all went downhill, I, I thought, from there. So uh, maybe it was just, you know, how coaches sometimes try to fake uh, the defenses that they're going to throw at the opponents, you know. Maybe let's do this for one or two possession to start the game or start the third quarter and then we're going going you know when they we're completely changing like we are doing the defense we're going to do for the whole game so maybe it was only that but it started that run from germany in the third quarter yeah uh, and and you know what uh i i've mentioned it during the broadcast like so many times i said okay so team usa just needs two stops in a row <laughs> but they, they never couldn't even one. get one <laughs> And the, the thing is, even if they force Germany to miss, or at least have the luck for a German player to miss m miss a good look, their center is guarding the perimeter. So for, for, for Americans, grabbing the rebound was like a wheel of fortune. <laughs> you spin it, and sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not. <laughs> and they didn't really control the rebounds. They were lucky to get some of those, but that's the thing. And that's where Germany was also uh, very well prepared. And, you know, since Obst means fruit, I would say uh, Germany definitely got the fruits from trusting Dennis Schroeder in the quarterfinal when he had that bad game versus Latvia. Absolutely. Absolutely. He was just balling in the semifinal. 
the way he was targeting his his teammate in the LA Lakers, Austin Reeves, in the end of the game, and 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 he had the ball in his hands to close the game and made a big play after big play. Even in the beginning, he he started involving his teammates. He picked up like three assists in five minutes. He he hit his first three pointer, which obviously allowed him to feel better about himself, and he just had a great ball game as a leader, as a point guard. He, he definitely had a great ball game, and in my opinion, it's the consequence of trusting him during that bad period uh, in the quarterfinal. So now you had the best version of Dennis Schroeder versus Team USA. And, and you know, naming all the other guys, it's, it, it's such a joy to watch Franz Wagner play basketball. He has like uh, a body of a perfect basketball player. Uh, I'm talking about his size. I'm talking about uh, about his uh, ability to use his body, the way he does the euro step. It's 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 really beautiful, and his ability to score in every possible situation. He can post up. He can face the basket. He can drive to the to the right, to the left. He can shoot the free from a really deep range. He can play a pick and roll. The guy can do anything, and he's probably gonna be an NBA All Star in a in a near future. The way he is progressing, and he's only 21, and he's already considered a superstar in in FIBA basketball. And I mean, he's just a smart, skilled player who also has this uh, gift of nature to have this this body, long arms, and everything. Spe- speaking of uh, France, Wagner, I f- I hope that that's what Matas Buzelis will bring to Lithuania national team. So, so many similarities between their games and I hope that he's going to be that, you know, flashy perimeter player who can do so many different things and bring excitement to our national team's game. But I really want to go back with this role player's idea and national team competitions being competitions determined by role players. And I would like to change the definition of a role player in a FIBA basketball. for me, the role player can be Bogdan Bogdanovic and Nikola Milutinov. I mean, Serbia for me is the best example. To be honest, I really have doubts if Nikola Jokic and Vasily Misic was in this competition. I really have doubts if this team led by Svetislav Pesic would have reached the final. But now this Serbia team has clear role player leader in leader on the backcourt, on the perimeter, Bogdan Bogdanovic. When they need to punish somebody in the paint, when they have this huge advantage of Nikola Milutinov in the paint, driving double teams or just scoring in the paint, as he did against uh, Canada, you have Milutinov, another, let's say, great role player as your leader. And then there are a lot of specialists, helpers that contribute in many different ways. Marco Gudrich with his uh, also, let's say, being secondary ball handler option. Uh, of course, there's Stefan Jovic, Alexa Avramovic, uh, all the other guys. I mean, they're playing their uh, their roles. And that's what makes this uh, national team basketball interesting. And that's what makes this uh, these teams uh, great. So I love this idea because even when you watch Germany, Canada, okay, Franz Wagner, of course, you need star players, star power, like Franz Wagner, amazing game. Dennis Schroeder, amazing bounce, uh, bounce back game for him. Daniel Tice was also great. But look at the fourth quarter. You have Andy Obst, you know, making decisive three-pointer in the end of the game. Before, I mean, he's scoring 24 points, game high, incredible performance by him. Then you have Isaac Bonga 
making two crucial blocks. One, it was from the behind uh, on Jalen Brunson, and the last one brought back me, I don't know, Tayshawn Prince or LeBron James block memories uh, from, from the NBA games. It was a huge block on, on Bridges as well. I mean, it looked like he's gonna, is gonna, is gonna score and cut the lead to two points. There's this Johannes Tima, Timon, I mean, holding his ground, the defensive rebounding and killing them on the low post. So I don't see this win happening without the role players. And we have examples of Germany, we have examples of Serbia, of how much role players are important. And just the last thing about Andy Obst, uh, I've just accidentally read this article about Andy Obst when he was 18 and he, when he started playing for Bamberg, it was back in 2014. And he, uh, he told that he brought a post poster from his previous team. Uh, I don't even want to pronounce this team's name because my pronunciation, German pronunciation might be really bad. But if from his go home, he brought one poster and it was Dirk Nowitzki poster on which it was written, all, dre all dreams sound crazy until they come true. So nine years later, we have Andy Pops, uh, Obst. Uh, we have uh, Andy Obst happening uh, reincarnating into Reggie Miller and winning this game uh, for Germany. So just incredible, so there are, uh, incredible story of German basketball. And we're probably going to see another season in the EuroLeague where he averages 5.7 points per game and we will all be thinking, oh, again, yeah, this is the guy who dropped 24 points on, on Team USA with six assists on top of that. That's probably uh, that's probably what, what what's going to happen, um, and 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 yeah, what you said about role players, it's it's true. I don't necessarily agree with the fact that Jokic and Mitic would be a problem for Serbia with with Pesic as the head coach. I don't necessarily agree with that. But, but they would change the they would um, change the picture completely of the team. Like they wouldn't yeah, be they as would play defensive and, differently. Uh, they would play differently. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree. They wouldn't make the final. It's mm. it's kind of hard to prove right now. But um, what Gordy Herbert did, and, and it was a good decision in my, in my eyes, that in the second half, he shortened his rotation. Like, he realized that for, for Germany to withstand Team USA, he has to play the maximum possible minutes with his best players. And he would just give a short break to Dennis Schroeder or Franz Wagner, but he just shortened the rotation. Guys like Maud Delaw barely even played in, in, in the second half. And, and I'm happy that you've mentioned Isaac Bonga, not because of his big defensive plays, but in that moment where Team USA was actually catching up and they gave away a cordon free to Bonga. And that's what teams do in Europe. He played in for Bayern Munich last season and teams could just leave him in the corner. They go help from him. They, they, they go help from the strong side and they don't really bother contesting his shots. But he had the confidence to make that shot and his teammate had the confidence to give him the shot. So again, it's, it, it, it's nice to see all these guys that maybe didn't perform so well uh, last season for their clubs playing and being important players for the national teams uh, in this FIBA World Cup. Yeah, some of our colleagues in the workroom are really irritating. Uh, let's, let's, let's go with uh, Serbia-Canada, right? Yeah. Uh, I've actually downloaded... It's, it's for me, I mean, Foritas is different because it's all about, you know, play-by-play, -play, watching the game, the screen, the floor, entire time, 
and you're you know you can be fully focused on on, on games for for me as a reporter is different you have to check for some facts you have something uh, to tweet you see something happening on the sidelines so you're not so fully focused into the game so usually if i have time i download the game uh, from the services that we have and for instance we have this instat service so and usually when you download download the game there's like there was usa germany fourth quarter usa germany third quarter I don't know why, I don't know how, how, but for some reason when I downloaded Serbia-Canada game, it was Avramovic first quarter, Avramovic second quarter, Avramovic third quarter, and Avramovic fourth quarter. Although, yep. you know, it was just, it was not the clips of Avramovic, it was the uh, clips of the actual game. So, I mean, Avramovic is, of course, just one piece of the whole puzzle that made this great Serbian uh, victory, but just wanted to start. Uh, you know this this segment about Serbia and Canada from from Alexa's uh, side because again he, we're talking about the role players and Avramovic to some extent he uh, you know illustrates the DNA of the Serbian uh, national team maybe you're a little bit less talented but the desire and the will the energy the effort the discipline the focus can change so many things and Alexa Abramovich on the court is a game changer I love the story of uh, Bogi Bogdanovic he told that he Abramovich basically locked him down locked himself in the hotel room for two days uh, to watch a Gilgis Alexander uh, clips highlights and he was just studying his game and he was from what I heard he was uh, Mm, saying to everybody in Serbian national team camp that I'm for sure going to steal at least one ball, ball from Shea. And he did it twice, actually. And in situations where it was not just about, let's say, reading passing lines and making good steal. It was about just taking ball from Shea in the middle of the court. So Alexa Marava, which is a game changer with his energy, he did this in, in partisan already. If you, if you remember, he missed basically five months last season due to an injury he came back for Fenerbahce game in Istanbul it was a tough moment for Partizan and I think that Fenerbahce was on the top of the standings he comes he brings energy he makes huge plays in the fourth quarter he makes the game winning free throw and then suddenly the whole tra uh, projection of Partizan season is changing so uh, Avramovic is not necessarily he's crazy guy and his craziness not necessarily translates to efficiency on consistent basis but he's the guy he's that role player that can change things when you think that you know Canada maybe should have won that game but they were liking of those type of guys like Alexa Romanovich so kudos to him he's a he's one of those heroes that they made this great victory partisan wear four of nine partisan wear four of nine four wins and nine losses when uh, Avramovich came back and then they went on to being a you know almost a final four team and uh, I thought those first five minutes when he entered the court was probably the greatest five minutes of defensive play playmaking in the entire tournament um, he got a he got a block on Shea uh, he got called Shea got called for an offensive foul then uh, he pressured the point guard Canada got a bad shot they went to transition he made an assist to Jovic then he scored a two-pointer going coast to coast. Then he drew an offensive foul on the pick and roll. Then he stole the ball from RJ Barrett, who was going in transition. I mean, what was that? Like, just timing that perfectly, that was that was just amazing. Then um, Shea was like, okay, I I'm going to post, post this little guy up. And 
Alexa just deflected the ball out of bounds. And then he contested a three-pointer from Alexander Walker and made it into a turnover. And I was like, yeah, uh, I don't care uh, what other guys did. I don't care what Lou Dort, Dylan Brooks did. But this guy is in the final. And only for these five minutes, he deserves the uh, defensive player of the tournament award. Serbia went plus 11 in the three minutes, in the last three minutes of the first quarter when he was on the court. And that was the first huge run they made. And Serbia led throughout the game for at least like 10 points. Canada never really got back into the game. Canada never really made it a close game after, after that. And uh, Spain had Alberto Diaz last year. If Serbia win, uh, you know, Alexa Vramic is... Do Alberto Diaz award goes to Alexa yep, Vramic. Exactly. But... Uh, guys, yeah, okay, you, know, you can add something about Alexa. I want to add something about him because I think his speed is also a bit underrated. It's not mentioned as much. He can just blow by people on the court, especially if he go, he's driving to his left. So that's another thing. Not only that he's so dedicated to steal the ball, to pressure his opponent, to do all the right things defensively, but he can actually play basketball. He, he's a good ball handler. He has the speed. Okay, we're not expecting him to all of a sudden become a EuroLeague superstar, but he is a good quality guard that any coach would probably want to have on his team. But the thing is, we, we've already spent like three minutes talking about him, and you might mention his name for, a f for five or six more times. But we could spend as much time talking about any guy on the Serbian team that actually played. And, and all of them had some big, crucial moments in the game. And the difference to me, uh, if let's say we compare the two semifinals, because Canada is basically a team built from NBA players, just like Team USA, but maybe less star power. But I was so critical uh, about Team USA and their approach and all of that. And I'm not really critical. I'm not going to be critical uh, talking about Team Canada because they had the right approach. They had the effort and everything. It's just that Serbia is so good right now. They they maybe even played better than in the quarterfinal where we all were already talking that Serbia played a, almost a perfect game of basketball and then in the semifinal, they're even better. Of course, Canada had to deal with many issues. Jordi Fernandez had to make a lot of decisions because players were getting into foul trouble early. Uh, their backup center, Kyle Alexander, seemed like he's not prepared to play the way he didn't grab a rebound after a free throw and, 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 and Bogdanovic got an end one. So he had to substitute players every two minutes. Shea Gilgis Alexander was in a foul trouble. Dylan Brooks was in a foul trouble. Dwight Powell, Kelly Olinik. But Canada played the way they can. And, and, and honestly, they, they tried. They played defense. They, they, they were trying to be tough. They were trying to respond. It's just that Serbia was too good. They, they In the third quarter, after two or three minutes, it seemed like, okay, so now Canada is getting back because they're playing much better than in the first half with more energy involving Shea Gilgis Alexander, even more, creating more opportunities for him. But Serbia just responded. They always kept the same lead, like 10 or 12 points. And it was similar to what happened in the quarterfinal versus Lithuania in, in, in a way. But, you know, the, the one main difference that I've, I've noticed was 
for me it felt like Canada was a little bit confused with the officiating because I really wish to be in Slovenia's I, I really wish to be in Luka Doncic hotel room where he's watching the game with his guys and watching those calls uh, that Serbians got uh, playing to Canada's defense because the physicality level that was allowed in this game was so different compared to the previous one. I'm not saying that uh, refs were whistling every contact, but because in some cases, Canada, they were using hands illegally and it was a little bit, let's say, uh, it, 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 these, these plays were not as clear as in the game against Slovenia, but still the physicality level that was allowed by officials was so different. And I don't think that Canada... I mean, I think that Canada was shocked. You have Dylan Brooks getting into the foul trouble in the first minutes of the second quarter. He got three fouls. Shea also before the halftime, three fouls. In the basically middle of the third quarter, Kelly Olenek and Dylan Brooks already with four fouls. It's rarely seen in, in national team basketball. Of course, yeah, it includes Jordi Fernandez's risks. But I mean, I really think that Canada, at first maybe they tried to be physical, but they got confused with the officiating and later they just couldn't adjust. And for me, they looked like, you know, lost the entire game defensively because of this fact. And when I asked this Jordi Fernandez after the game, he was super polite and super diplomatic about the officiating, but it really felt that, you know, they, they weren't happy about the, the the way things were going and, and with this contrast in, in 48 hours. I, I agree. Hey man, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, Sorry, I, I don't really agree with this officiating issue. Like, they finally uh, they faced a team that is as physical as they are, and Serbians had the same treatment and the same officiating as Canada. Slovenia is not a very physical team. It was a it was a different ball game. It's, it, it's not about that Serbians were allowed to be physical. It's about how less physical Canada could be compared to the game against Slovenia. And I think okay, that they maybe. kind of distracted that in 44 hours, we have to play way different ball game. Because if this, uh, this officiating was in Slovenia game, I mean, Dylan Brooks probably was fouled out before the halftime. That's why, that's why I agree, because we, we are comparing here only Canada's defense and not Serbian defense, uh, I think, in this conversation. And definitely... There was a lower level of contact allowed in the semifinal than in the quarterfinal. <laughs> I think Luka Doncic was like, why the hell they were not giving me these fouls on, on, in the quarterfinal, you know? And uh, probably this was the first time Canada were called for these ones. It was, some of, some of them were pretty weird. Uh, Shea's foul trouble had nothing to do with it. Uh, however, he, he reached in for his third foul, kind of, mm, you know, he was there was no need to do that reaching from the for for the ball from behind but i just want to say that uh serbia did on defense what other teams were trying to do to canada and shea uh had the third only the third highest field goal attempt uh in his in his own team like rj barrett and uh, uh dylan brooks took more shots than uh, than Shea, he was limited to eight shots in thirty something minutes, and uh, basically in every ISO situation he saw two guys. Mm, there was one possession where he was about to shoot a fadeaway jumper on the mid range, and Bogdanovic is still stunting from the strong side, and they prefer a wide open RJ Barrett three pointer than a fadeaway by Shea. That's that's that says yeah. a lot, and um, you know. They connected uh, on two of these three pointers from four in the first half, 
but when they crowded the area on on Shea's pick and rolls, he was just passing every time, and it was a smart decision because Dort is Dort is a you know average shooter. Brooks is an average shooter. R.J. Barrett is a better one, but but he's a streaky one. You never know what you're going to get from him. So it was it was hey, it was just Pesic choosing other guys to shoot instead of Shea, and it was a winning winning tactic. Yeah, that's a really great point. They, they forced Shea Gilgis Alexander to be a passer instead of a scorer. That's why he got 10 assists. But basically, Serbia was more than happy to see the other guys guys shooting. And and these other guys had a good shooting night uh, in the quarterfinal. But we, we said that it's probably not that sustainable. Canada is still not a not a great shooting team. And, and, and you could see that RJ Barrett was missing shots, Lou Dort was missing shots, some other guys as well. And Canada this roster i mean doesn't have too many ball handlers so for avramovich and the other guys well, to be aggressive it's 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 kind of a good matchup for them because you know there's only one ball handler on the floor two at most uh if let's say there was jamal murray we would see a completely different basketball game but in this case your primary ball handler is shay and who's the other one like who's helping him I mean, Dylan Brooks is not a pure ball handler. We saw so Archie many. Barrett is not a pure ball handler. We saw so many Dylan Brooks shots, like those those crazy, like he's go, going driving inside, he's bumping the guys, and he was making these shots throughout the tournament. But you can't count on these shots in every you know on every night to fall. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, Jordi Fernandez made a good point. I mean, they still scored eighty six points even with this offense and it was more related to their defense against uh, Serbians 95 points although yeah, I think they couldn't do it, nothing it, to Militinov although I think you know it all let's say combines you, you didn't have a game rhythm because she was a, a passer they didn't feel themselves defensively because the level of the contact allowed was way different and as I said just my general impression Canada was just very confused and Serbia they just continued to play with the same pace intensity Bogdanovic making crazy shots uh, other players uh, stepping up I mean yeah yeah they, they couldn't cope with Milutinov that was a big big problem for Canada and the fact they scored 86 points doesn't necessarily mean they played a good offensive game because they had 39 in the first half and they were down 13 so in the second half they started making just short possession shooting from the first possible option they had five six second uh, attacks uh, so that increases the number of possessions in the second half so you do score more points but it doesn't necessarily mean you, you you play more quality basketball okay in the third quarter yes they were better they had a good run uh, but still to me their losses first of all uh, down to Serbia being great that's the biggest major reason why Serbia is in the final and Canada is in the bronze medal game. The second reason is they didn't really have the tools to stop Milutinov to, to such an extent where the coach Jordi Fernandez even decided to try Zach Ide. But since Zach Ide um, entered the court, Pesci just uh, put Petrushev instead of Milutinov so he could have a center that pops and shoots the free. And Jordi Fernandez immediately decided that nope, Zakiri, it's not going to work, uh, and 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 did a reverse substitution. So they couldn't 
stop Milutinov in the paint. He had such a huge impact on the game. And the lack of ball handlers and shooters surrounding Shea Gilgis Alexander is also, to me, a big reason, even though they scored 86 points. I wouldn't say they had a great offensive performance. In the quarterfinal, they were great. They scored 100 points. But also, Slovenia is not Serbia. Slovenia doesn't play the, uh, play defense the way, the way Serbia does. I think does. probably this was the first time where we saw Canada team being... Uh the less physical team on the court in this tournament like we were always saying how Lou Dort, Alexander Walker, Dylan Brooks they're playing the defense of the tournament they are the best perimeter defenders but hey Serbia have Guderic, Serbia have Avramovic, Serbia have Ognjen Dobric who I thought played an amazing game uh, Bogdanovic was, was, was playing good defense as well and mm, not only they were playing defense I thought that with Milutinov trying to punish those Canada switches inside and Canada were not finding um, you know any any medicine to, di to, to this mm, Serbian guards gave that combination of inside and outside presence to beat Canada's uh, aggressive defense because Dobric, Alexa, Bogdanovic, uh, Goderic they, they all can off the beat the Canada defenders even Brooks and Dort off the dribble and we saw that other teams in the tournament really were struggling with Canada's aggressive close, uh, close like defense, even at half court. And these guys were just beating them with speed, and they were not afraid of Dwight Powell, Kelly, Kelly Olynyk at the rim. So this made a nice, um, you know, balance between Milutinov's post-ups, perimeter play, and then of course Bogey just being his best version Bogey that that yeah. he could. We could we could we could see you know he was he was bad against Italy he was missing those shots but Serbia were not playing as well against Italy they were relying on individual shots I think a lot in the fourth quarter and in this game it was it was um, it was different it was nice balance I think Serbia's game is evolving with every match and um, hey they are in final for for this reason. And you know, Bogdan Bogdanovic in the quarterfinal and in the semifinal, he played like a Serbian Mamba. These, he, he is so consistent. You look at his numbers from these two games, the consistency, the field goal percentage, the decision-making, assists and everything. He played two amazing games to help his team reach reach uh, the final. But also, I would like to finish on a, on a positive note uh, about Canada. Uh, I think this this FIBA World Cup is a huge experience for Jordi Fernandez as a young coach. Uh, there's a lot to learn from. And I'm really excited to see them next year if, if they add Jamal Murray and maybe even Andrew Wiggins. They, I mean, finally, they are in the Olympics, first of all. Now they're going to play for a medal. So it's already a big, big step up for, for Canada. And knowing that they still don't have uh, a star point guard, which they could actually have, and uh, he was probably close to joining the national team this summer, but in the end decided not to play because of the NBA Finals and the, and, and the long pl playoff run. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, with the same coach, with the same players, and the addition of Jamal Murray, Andrew Wiggins, they're going to be a, a, a real powerhouse in, in the near future. Okay, let's wrap it up with the prediction for the final. And we can share also our MVP predictions, but but yeah, we can let's, let's go with both. We can start with giving Donatas kudos for uh, for uh, 
guessing the both semi-final winners correct. I think me and Ritis have yeah. one correct, or or Ritis were predicting USA Canada. I I had I had uh, Serbia and USA in the final. I had Germany. I always get a lot Canada, of Canada. So yeah, you had Germany and Canada. I mean, I always get a lot of hate to, in my country for being in love with American basketball and. And maybe, maybe that's fair. Uh, but I did see them in the final yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did. Uh, as we, yeah. I did get a lot of comments of on on Twitter saying, "Hey, pick uh, the other team, not Serbia, to win in your prediction." So, so Serbia are going to win the final. You know, the opposite psychology. But uh, should we predict the bronze medal game for, first? Should we predict the bronze medal game first, or? doesn't doesn't matter to you guys uh, it it actually should matter but does it matter to usa and canada i mean it's a let's say a north american derby or something like that maybe it matters nba players facing each other they're they're uh, trying to figure out who are world champions in that i think (laughs) (laughs) i i wanted this to be the final actually i wanted this to be the final now they're gonna play for bronze uh i'm picking team usa what do you guys think i don't know i i i probably go with canada i don't know i think third place sometimes is like now teams are playing for fifth or eighth spot and usually the teams that want it more win and uh i i have this feeling that for canada this might be you know a historic chance to to get a bronze medal in the World Cup um, for the United States, uh, if it's not a whole, if it's not a gold, they don't want it. They want it, but it doesn't mean probably anything for those guys. You know, the USA, the mentality of USA sports is is win. It's only about winning. It's not. It's not about second place. Not about third place. So maybe for Canada, it has m- more meaning, and uh, I think Canada are going to win. Uh, yeah, I have the same prediction. I think that, although I'm, I'm really for me it's like fifty-fifty because even for Team USA, I think that they will bounce back. They they're a little bit deeper. They have what what it takes to win this game. So I really don't know. Maybe I will go with Canada. Maybe I will cheer for them because uh, it's great to see them. You know, getting this team finally, and for Canada, it would mean a lot. I think that Jordi Fernandez. He's a great motivator, uh, and he will regroup the squad to, to win the bronze, which would be huge for Canada basketball. And let's say as a some something like a um, good good background for the future victories, and especially for Paris Olympics when maybe Jamal Murray will join them. So. And you know what? In the context of this tournament, it looks like Canada maybe deserves it more. Because they beat the European champions and Europe Eurobasket finalists. They beat Spain and France, two European powerhouses. The United States honestly didn't beat any good teams. Like they lost to Lithuania and, and Germany. And beating Greece with the roster that Dimitri Situdis had, I mean, what else can you expect? And Italy was just a too comfortable opponent for them. So they didn't really beat anyone that's serious enough. Uh, and, and, and Canada actually uh, 
crushed France and managed to win a do or die game versus Spain. So in the context of the tournament, it looks like they deserve the medal uh, a little bit more. I just want to see uh, Anthony Edwards, Dylan Brooks matchup. That should be pretty exciting. Fair. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. And yeah. obviously Shea versus versus Brunson and uh, and Tyrese. Although we'll see if, if not Mikhail Bridges is, is defending him. Okay, so what are your final predictions? Um, I'm not gonna be uh, unpopular here. Uh, Serbia is just too good right now. Uh, and Germany is so talented. They're, they're great. They're fun to watch. I love them so much. Uh, and I'm expecting a close game. I'm expecting a tough game. Uh, I'm not expecting, let's say, mental mistakes from Germans that, let's say, Serbia were punishing playing Canada like Dobridge versus Olinik and, and, and all that stuff. I think Germans will be really focused. They will be really tough. They will try to do... I mean, they probably have to play their best defensive game to win the final. Uh, so, And they're capable of... I mean, they if they play Australia, that was a tough game. To me, that was like what built this team up to this point where they are right now and uh, the game versus australia in the group stage uh, it, it, it it's so important and i wanted to mention that uh and i do believe that germany has the tools uh and everything and and they can match serbia but when i think about this mentality of serbian players and i remember the serbian teams from the past when they get it going there's there's no stopping them usually only USA with their biggest stars managed to stop Serbia in, in, in these situations, let's say 2014, 2016. So I'm, I'm predicting Serbia to win the gold and, and the World Cup. And then the MVP is, is an easy pick. It's obviously Bogdan Bogdanovic. I have to agree here with Ritis. I don't know if Serbia fans love my choice here, but I think that Serbia have the necessary tools on both sides of the court. Um, they have so many different weapons uh, inside, outside, you know, they have guys that can pressure the ball. They have scorers, they have Bogdanovic, they have Milutinov inside, who could be a big trouble even for Daniel Tice. Uh, they can play Petrushev at five if Germany wants to go with Voitman at five. Or, you know, it's Maurice Wagner who can who can also pop, not only play the inside game. Uh, I think they have the necessary defenders in the for France, for, for Dennis. I think we might see a little bit of what Latvia tried to do in the quarterfinal against Dennis. You know, taking that risk, at least, at least in the beginning. Uh, I could easily see this happening from Serbia's coaching staff. And... Who knows if Dennis is this, is the same efficient as he was in the semifinal, or are we going to see the Dennis with that we saw in the in the quarterfinal? They can play they can play aggressive on the pick and roll. They can play drop with Milutinov. They they are switching as well a lot, so they're mixing it up for any team. They're making it difficult. And I love Germany. This is a cl very close game. I don't I don't think it's it's not going to be a surprise if Germany wins, but. I, when I see the Serbia team and I see the desire in them, uh, when I see how they united they are, especially after what happened to uh, Borisa Shamanic and how they're mentioning it every time, I know how teams get united. 
I know how every player remembers it and uh, they just fighting, uh, they just have this message in their in their brain and, and fighting for, for that player, for the whole nation. Uh, so I'm going to go with Serbia and my MVP pick is really easy. Alexa Vramovic. No, I'm kidding. It's 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 Bojan Bogdan obviously. So Donatas, do you agree? I didn't see that coming. I really, I really thought that I'm going to be the only uh, one who will go with uh, Serbia with this one because, I mean, from the objective standpoint, I really think that Germany is more talented team. They're built for winning uh, against teams like Team USA and Canada. They're built for winning the gold. Uh, and although you say that Serbia has all the tools, I think that, you know, Germany has all the tools to match the Serbia's qualities. And even with Nikola Milutinov, I think that they will, their, their roster can limit his offensive advantages as much as possible to limit Nikola Milutinov. I mean, they're not going to, it, it's not like there's clear solution for Milutinov. Of course, they're going to play through him and they're going to create advantages, but at least they have the right personnel to kind of limit uh, his, his advantages. Uh, but the thing about Germany, uh, at first I, I thought about going to Germany, but then I, I thought, you know, to stay consistent after such a big game against USA, it, I just have these, you know, I have this flashback from the Eurobasket quarterfinal. They also had this amazing game against Greece. Uh, to be honest, those two games were almost identical. Both uh, they, they both teams were in 60s uh, before the halftime. Almost both teams ended up uh, scoring over 100. It was a great, it was probably my best game I watched in person uh, in this Eurobasket game. And I would say that this one matched that experience from from the offensive flow dy dynamics uh, wise and for me to see germany flying on the court the same way i'm not sure i saw them quite broke uh, against latvia i am not the biggest fan of dennis schroeder game in this uh, tournament as augustus mentioned i see serbia taking a lot of risks on dennis uh, schroeder and where I don't see Germany staying consistently with the qualities they have against Team USA, I see Serbia staying consistently with their DNA because it's their DNA, you know, intensive, uh, physical, fast tempo, well-coached basketball. I don't see Serbians changing and I've go with consistency in this uh, tournament because they were consistent from the Dominican Republic game. They, they have, haven't changed uh, at all. And uh, with this confidence, with the decisions that Svetislav Pesic made and deserves the huge credit for winning both games, he'll for sure think some, some of those tricks for the final game. I just pick Serbia and also pick Serbia because for me it's easier to choose the MVP. Because if I go with Germany, I'm not sure who I'm go uh, giving the MVP award to. Because Dennis. I think that Fra Franz Wagner is amazing, but he missed like four or five games uh daniel ty is efficient but he's not the mvp material for me and dennis have to give probably it to dennis but i don't feel i don't feel that confident about this pick but hey uh it, it, you mentioned one good thing like about um, beating usa staying consistent this situation where germany is right now the position they're in right now reminds me of 2006 where greece beating greece. usa was a big celebration people felt like they already won the gold medal and, and the team was celebrating on the court. It was a huge thing, like, and you can understand why. 
So now Germany beat Team USA, and and they're so happy about it. The fans are going crazy. People are hyping uh, hyping this team, and they're in the World Cup final. But that's the thing. Yeah, you did beat USA, but you have to play the final. And Greece just the couldn't perform at the same level versus Spain in, in 2006. So will Germany manage to, let's say, overcome more of the same things? Because, yeah, you did beat Team USA, but now there's this super consistent European team that is all about winning, waiting for you in the final. So that's that's uh, a good example, in my opinion. Like the job is not done and it's not the only and that not the only example of when team loses after beating united states france lo- france de- defeated them in the quarterfinal 2019 they lost the semifinal lithuania beat usa one week ago they lost in the quarterfinal as well so it's a big celebration winning against united states but uh the job is not done and one more note here would be I know it's been a high-scoring FIBA World Cup, but who would you trust more, defense or offense, to win the final game, a single elimination game? Because because you could you could say this is a Germany's offense versus Serbia defense, even though Serbia doesn't have much problem uh, scoring the ball as well. But you know, first thing that comes into my mind when when thinking about this Serbian team is defense, not 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 offense of how it was last year when there was Mitic and Jokic so uh I just I just think defense will prevail in this one yeah and the the, the one last thing that I forgot to mention that I think that Germany so far maybe with the exception of Australia not sure if they face such an intensity uh, intensive and physical team like Serbia so especially after those two games against Latvia and uh, and especially United States not going I'm not sure how they're gonna you know adjust the Serbian way of basketball. At the same time, that's where the officiating also uh, takes its role. What level of contact will be allowed and you know how they're gonna treat uh, Serbians playing physical game. That also will be important. So, hey, so yeah. Donatas, I, mean, I, yeah. I have a question for you. Man, we're, we're finishing the podcast and I wanted to ask you, did you notice as well that when Moritz Wagner hit that high arcing three-point shot, uh, Carmelo Anthony just stood up and left. Did you notice that? I think that he he went. F- I actually noticed that, and we actually took it. a video of it. But I think that he just really wanted to go to pee before the fourth quarter because it was like one minute left in the end of the third. Yeah. So probably you're right. I mean, you could use some better words than. <laughs> to be, but uh, you, but but the timing was so perfect. Like Morris Wagner hits a crazy high arcing three point shot, and a legend of the game, Carmelo Anthony, just stands up and says, "Okay, that's it. I'm I'm not yeah, having this enough. anymore. I'm out." <laughs> <laughs> we had the same concerns instantly. We started chatting in uh, our Slack uh, group, and it's like, "Hey, Car- did Carmelo leave the game? Is he is he done for the night? I mean, he's one of the uh, World Cup ambassadors. He cannot do like that." But I mean, I watched the score. I saw that there was only one minute left before the four before the break for the four quarters. So I was like, "That's just a smart timing to to take some pee before the final stretch of the game." So he, you just had to and mention that the and same word, right? And then he was back and he was without his sunglasses. So, yeah, he got serious. Which is also smart. If you're inside the arena, it's it's good to be without sunglasses. Uh, We are really breaking down Carmelo Anthony going to bathroom, huh? 
to finish this pod. Okay, guys, I think it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, by, by, by the way, so. it was a great talk show hosted by FIBA. Carmelo was really great. He 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 brought some interesting insights, uh, which I recommend to read on basketballs.com. I put a segment uh, about his insights and views on Team USA loss, uh, if it's possible to have NBA stars returning. And uh, I was I was pleased the way he supports this team. Uh, and although he admits that it was a, you know, it was an upset, uh, there's no need to sugarcoat uh, this loss. But I mean, he, he wants the full support for these guys. Uh, and the all the other stuff he mentioned, the interesting points he had, uh, you'll find on the article. And I mean, it was it was great event in general, and it's good to see Carmelo Anthony as the ambassador of the FIBA World Cup. I love this ambassador thing that FIBA does. We had Kobe, uh, we had Dirk in the Eurobasket. So to have these big names coming up for the biggest games of the tournament and just speaking about the World Cup, speaking about the national team basketball is, is a huge thing for us media. And of course, uh, for fans in general. And yeah, so far, really well organized FIBA World Cup competition, I would say. From, I don't know how about Euritis, but I mean, I, everything except the media hotel that we're staying, it's just awesome. Uh, well organized, well structured, and it's, it's, yeah, it's a very successful event in my eyes. So I hope that. In the final day of the tournament, no, nothing will happen that would, you know, make this uh, take age badly. Yeah, so. and, and you know, they even stepped up their meal game uh, from the quarterfinal stage. When more media came, uh, they're preparing better meals and serving them in, in bigger amounts. So, kudos for that. But to, but to be honest, my bathroom games stepped down. So I'm not sure. Hey man, now now is the time. Now yeah, it's the I, time. I said just, this three minutes ago. It's, it was time to wrap it up, and you are still talking. I don't know why, guys. Just go work, man. No. It's, yeah, just okay, man. It's Can not easy to work up? under these conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't just, know, just, can you just cut this part? Thank you. Just stop the stop the podcast, and I want to go to the mall. So do it. You have something to eat, yeah. Thank you all for watching. F follow us on basketnews.com. Please like this video, subscribe our channel, and enjoy the final days of the World Cup.